Welcome to the Life and Legacy Show, where we discuss all things elder law, estate, and legacy planning. Hosted by certified elder law attorney, Tim Seckler, from the Seckler Law Firm. And now your host, attorney Tim Seckler. And welcome everybody to this week's edition of the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great estate plans. I am your host. My name is Tim Seckler, and I own uh, the Seckler Law Firm, where we're helping people every day with things like uh, wills and trust and powers of attorney and uh, nursing home asset protection. We do post-death administration, and I see a lot of interesting things doing what I do. I see good plans. I see poor plans. Uh, and, and what we do with the law firm and how we operate and what we do with this radio show is it's our effort to really help people understand what their options are, what they need to do to set themselves, their families up for success. What are some things that we should consider that perhaps we're not doing right now? Uh, and in what does uh, an effective estate plan look like? Now, uh, if you haven't checked out the show before, you can find all of our past episodes as a podcast on Apple, iTunes, or Spotify. You can also find them at our website at secularlawfirm.com. And while we're talking about the website, there's lots of useful information on the website. We've got pre-recorded videos, dozens and dozens of blog articles about this stuff. Um, you can register for one of our upcoming workshops where we talk about estate planning in detail. I talk to you about wills versus trusts, uh, taxes, the, the Pennsylvania inheritance tax, federal estate taxes, capital gains taxes. We talk about nursing home asset protection law. We talk about how to save your home in the event you or your spouse needs a nursing home. And, and you know, those are not all fun topics to talk about, but they are topics that you need to know about. And, um, and so we try to do the workshop in a light way. You know, we tell a few jokes. We try to keep it fun. But you do get some very valuable information on how to take care of your family. And my whole goal with doing the workshops and my whole goal with doing the radio show is to shed light on some areas that I see people failing to plan for in their documents, in their life. You know, we work our whole lives to accumulate some stuff. We get some money. We get a home. We get a whatever we have. Uh, and then so many people fail to plan for what happens with that stuff if I get sick or when I pass away. The, the statistics are out there. You know, most people don't even have a will. Most people spend more time planning an annual vacation than they do planning for what would happen to them with their entirety of all of their positions uh, for their uh, for their family and, and how to protect uh, how to protect them. Uh, and so with this show, we're going to do something. And, and that's, you know, today I've got a very specific uh, topic I want to talk about. Um, before we get into that, I have to do my little legal disclaimer. And that is, you should not construe anything you hear in today's episode or any other episode as legal advice. We are uh, a law firm. We provide legal services to our clients. However, this show is for your education and information. If you'd like help with your estate planning, we're here to help. You can call us anytime, 724-989-9290. Again, 724-989-9290. Or check us out at secklerlawfirm.com. It is spelled Seckler, S-E-C-H-L-E-R, lawfirm.com. Um, so what I want to talk about today is a tool, a specific tool. We're going to get into the weeds a little bit about uh, a device called an asset protection trust, which I feel a uh, far few people, very few people take advantage of, um, far fewer than should. Okay, This is a tool that once you take the time to understand it, that uh, can be pretty appealing to most middle class, upper middle class families. And it is a document 
that creates a, a, a trust that can serve to protect your assets from things like long-term care expenses, medical expenses, perhaps some some poor tax consequences. Um, and, you know, my, my thing about this episode is once you know that there are other options out there, you know, there's so many lawyers are just are just chapter and verse about all you need to do is have a simple will. All you need is a simple will. All you need is a simple will. Well, for me, I, I don't agree. Um, and the reason I don't agree is because I'm seeing people with simple will plans go broke because nursing homes in this state cost $180,000 a year, and one in three of us are going to end up with dementia, let alone all of the other health care issues that could wind us up in a nursing home. And so when you go to a lawyer and you call and you say, hey, I need to update my wills. I haven't done my will since the kids were little. And their answer is, great, who's your executor? You need to know you're not getting an advice. You're not getting a plan. You're getting a document. Uh, it's that you know Some of these law firms treat this stuff like you're ordering a sandwich at Subway. And the fact of the matter is most of our consumers, most of our clients, before going through our educational process, really don't know what they need. It's, it's the process of getting the education, doing some goal setting, at which point in time the people say, oh, I don't want a simple will. A simple will leaves my wife without a house. I want to do this trust or this other thing that, that, that could help us protect the assets, right? And that's just been my experience after having done this for 10 years is if you educate people on all of the tools available to them, most people will act in their best interest and protect assets from these threats. Because when you think about it, what is the biggest threat facing middle-class America in retirement from from a financial standpoint anyhow is long-term care expenses. That's what it is. It's not death taxes. You're already deceased by the time death taxes come around. Yeah, we got to be smart about death taxes. But that's not the issue that's going to make you go broke or ruin your retirement. Is it a market crash? Yeah, possibly, but you've probably hedged against that. What is the thing that could come into your world and cost you multiple six figures a year? The only answer is uh, an unfortunate lawsuit because you make a mistake or long-term care expenses. And and statistically, much more likely that it would be long-term care expenses than anything else. So why is no one... Why no one planning for this, right? Um, you know, there's this quote that says, you can ignore the uncomfortable things, but you cannot ignore the consequences of ignoring the uncomfortable things. So if you don't plan for these uncomfortable things, you're not avoiding the consequences. You're just avoiding thinking about it, which in my, from my perspective is probably the not the right way to, to plan for your family. And so let's talk about this tool. So what is a trust? A trust is, um, you could think of a trust like you might think of a company. So the name of my law firm is the Seckler Law Firm. Uh, it is a distinct legal entity for me. I make the decisions around here. I'm in control of it, but it is its own thing. It owns the computer I'm staring at. It owns the microphone I'm talking into. Um, it's its own thing. But I get to make the decisions, right? And, and if you create a trust, a trust is kind of the same thing, right? Um, the only place it exists physically is paperwork. You, you sign the paperwork. You just gave birth to this new legal entity that's called a trust. Um, and then in that trust, you name a couple of people. So the person who creates a trust is called the grantor or the settler. It's the person who, who creates it. The person in control of it is called the trustee. And the people who can access the assets that are in the trust are called beneficiaries. So those are really the three people. The grantor is the creator of the trust. The trustee is the person in control. The beneficiaries are the people who have access to the assets owned by the trust. Now, there are multiple types of trusts. For example, the most common trust used in estate planning is something called a revocable trust. Revocable. So I put my, I create this trust. 
I transfer ownership to my things to this trust. I'm going to be my own trustee on this trust. I can use the money however I want for the rest of my life because I'm also the beneficiary of the trust assets. And the reason that people use revocable trust largely is because they want to avoid the courthouse and the probate system when they pass away. Revocable living trusts help to avoid probate. And there are some other uses for revocable trusts. They can be handy with some tax planning. They can be handy in second marriages. They can be handy if we've got drug addictions or disabilities and whatnot in our life. But but the, the main driver of people using a revocable trust is um, is probate avoidance when you pass away. Fine. There are also irrevocable trusts. Now, with an irrevocable trust... Um, you're you're creating a document that by its term says I can't revoke this, meaning I can't shred it and just get my things back. I can't terminate it. I cannot amend certain provisions of the trust. So we're getting into something that's a little bit more um, settled. Now, here's the thing. There are multiple types of irrevocable trusts. So and it's been my experience, especially like in the workshop when we're educating people on this, and I use the word irrevocable trusts. People are terrified of that because irrevocable sounds when they when they hear the word irrevocable they they hear the word permanent once i do this i can't change it that's that's how they interpret the word irrevocable but that's not necessarily true with all irrevocable trusts see when when we're creating a trust we put in different paragraphs right the document gets lengthy and you know the trustee can do this the grantor can do this the beneficiaries can get access to the money when they do these things and we put little levers into this trust, little terms and conditions on what are the trustees allowed to do? When are the beneficiaries allowed to access the money? How is this whole thing going to work? Like we tell sort of the story of how we want um, the trustee to administer the funds. Um, But there are certain ways within certain types of irrevocable trust where you, the creator of the trust, can maintain certain control. All right. Now, there are what we'll call irrevocable tax trusts. With irrevocable tax trusts, you're generally giving up control of your assets to accomplish some tax objective. Fine. Those exist, right? The ones that my clients think of are permanent. They're out there. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about an irrevocable trust that is called an asset protection trust. Now, when we're talking about asset protection, protecting my things from the would-be creditors and predators of the world that would like to come out there and get my things. The name of the game and kind of how it's all played with asset protection is that if I can get the money from the trust, if I can get the money, well then, so can my creditors and my predators. If I can access it, they can access it. So what we do with an asset protection trust in its simplest form is we deny ourselves access to our own money. Now, to some people... That sounds terrifying, but let's 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 dive a little deeper. So I'm going to put my home, and I'm going to put my some of my money, not all of my money, but some of my money, into an asset protection trust. The terms of the trust say I can never have the money back because I am not a beneficiary of the trust. Now, let's take a pause here for a second. The beneficiaries are the people who have access, right? I can no longer have my money from the trust. I can no longer receive a distribution from the trust because I am not a principal beneficiary of the trust. That's the access component. But let's revisit the control component. The person in control of the trust is called the trustee. Now, with an asset protection trust, you can be your own 
trustee. All right. So let's walk through it again. I create a trust. I put my home in the trust. I put some money in the trust. I am my own trustee. I'm making all the decisions relevant to that house, relevant to the money. How's the money invested? Does the roof need a new house? I'm still making those decisions in my capacity as the trustee of the trust. But the one thing I cannot do is write myself a check. I can sleep in the house every night. I can make decisions with regard to the money. I just can't write myself a check because I'm not a beneficiary of the trust. Get it? But the trust has beneficiaries. The beneficiaries of the trust are, in most families, my kids. My kids are beneficiaries of the trust. So while I, as trustee, could not write myself a check from the trust, I, as trustee, could write a trust to my children, a check to my children, because my children are beneficiaries of the trust. Now, in a lot of families, if I can write a check to my kid, then what have I really given up here? I've given up the ability to write myself a check, but I could write a check to my kid. And in a lot of families where we're close and our kids love us and we love our kids, that's not asking a whole lot. That's not giving up a whole lot. Um, And these are really interesting tools because it seems to me that what everybody kind of wants to do when they come into my office, what all the baby boomers, what all the seniors, the retirees kind of want to do when they come to my office is I want to be in control but I want to protect it. That's what they want to do. And I don't want to make tax mistakes, right? I want to, I want to be in control. I want to protect my stuff from the would-be creditors and predators and the long-term care expense. And I want to be smart about taxes. Right? Now, before becoming educated about asset protection trusts, a lot of people kind of know that if I get sick, I'm going to have to go broke in a nursing home, right? That's just the way the world works. At 180 grand a year, because the government doesn't start paying until you run out of money. See, it's not the nursing home's fault that they're expensive, no more than, than it's the housing market's ex- fault that, that houses are expensive. The problem, though, with long-term care expense is that the government should be helping us. Flat out, we paid into this system our entire lives. Why is Medicare, why is the federal government allowing seniors to go broke because they have Alzheimer's disease? That's the fundamental problem. That's a political problem that we're going to save for another day. Um, maybe somebody with some power is listening. But w- we have a government system that will allow you to lose everything that you've worked for your entire life because you had the audacity to get Alzheimer's disease, which, by the way, one in three people are going to end up, one in three seniors are going to end up with dementia. Um, and if that is unsettling to you, then then you need to take some action. So what was sort of like what I'll call the old way of doing this? The old way of doing this was people would sit around a kitchen table. It's what I call kitchen table planning. People sit around the kitchen table with their family, and they say, you know, George down the street just lost his house um, to the nursing home, and we don't want to do that here. So what we're going to do, kiddo, is we're going to – Mom and dad, we're going to give you our house. And so then they go to some lawyer who just draws up the deed because, you know, the the client walks in like they're ordering a sandwich at Subway. And they say, we want a deed. The lawyer prepares the deed. They sign the deed. They never really got legal advice. They purchased an instrument. And then now the kid owns the house. But here's the problem with transferring the kids to the house. It's a mistake on at least three levels. The first is... When I put my money in my kids' names, 
what have I given up? And the answer is, I've given up control. If I put my house or my money in my kid's name and then my kid goes through a divorce, where am I in this? If my kid dies before me, where, where am I supposed to live? If, if I give it to my daughter and my daughter dies in an accident and her will says, transfer all of the assets that I own to my husband. Now I'm supposed to live in a house owned by my former son-in-law for the rest of my life. What happens when he remarries? What do you think that new wife of his thinks about his deceased wife's father living in a house that he owns? Um, So, you know, or it it might not even be that. It could be your kid has a disability later. It could be that your kid loses his job later and is tempted by your money. It could be that your kid develops a gambling problem. It could be that your kid develops a drinking problem. It could be any number of reasons why giving up control of your own money might be a huge mistake. So that's number one. Number two, it's probably a tax mistake from a capital gains standpoint. And I don't want to go too deep into the weeds on capital gains taxes other than to say when you do a lifetime transfer of an asset that has grown in value, like your primary residence, you are giving uh, your child the asset at the price of which you paid for it. So if I had a house that I paid $100,000 for, now it's worth $300,000, and I give that asset to my kid, my kid owns a house for $100,000, and if he ever has to sell it for three hundred, dollars he's going to have to recognize a capital gain on the difference, $200,000. If alternatively, I had left that house in my own social security number, and I had to sell it later, it's my primary residence, and the IRS largely excludes the primary residence from the capital gains tax, so no tax. So oftentimes, transferring your house to your kid, people think they're saving money on taxes, but in the long run, it ends up hurting them from a capital gains tax standpoint. Um, and, and just be real weary of that. Be real weary of the interplay between the Pennsylvania inheritance tax the federal state tax and gift tax and the capital gains tax, because oftentimes it has been my experience from a tax standpoint, the most savvy play you can make, especially with regard to like the primary residence is to leave it in your social security number until you pass away and you get your kids something called stepped up tax basis, which means upon their death, upon your death and they inherit the property, they own it for date of death value. So going back to a previous example, you own it for 100 you give it to them during your life, they own it for 100 But if they inherit it for you, they own it for date of death value, which is 300 which means they can sell it for 300 and not have to recognize the capital gains tax. Okay, so we're getting pretty, in the weed, uh, pretty far into the weeds here. But one more thing I want to explain to you. And if you want to listen to this episode again, this is really an episode that I have filled with a bunch of useful information, if I'm being quite honest. A lot of times some of these episodes are a little fluffy. This one's not. I'm just giving you like straight to making the case for considering one of these trusts. So the three issues with giving your house to your kids is you give up control. The second is a tax mistake. The third is um, Medicaid has a five-year look-back period. And if you get sick in the next five years, you got a problem on your hands, and I'm not sure that we can fix it. Now, with a trust, we also have a five-year look-back period, but there are ways to fix it. So because, because at the end of the day, I know where your money is. If it's sitting in the trust, we didn't lose it to your kids' divorces, disabilities, death in the last five years. It's still sitting in the trust. Uh, and so it's a much safer play to accomplish the objective that people have, which is maintaining control of my money, maintaining control of my home, and protecting it from the nursing home. Right? Um, if any of this is, is resonating with you, 
What you ought to do is you ought to go to our uh, website, secklerlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R, lawfirm.com. There you you can find um, the ability to to register for one of our upcoming workshops. You can give us a shout. You can give us a call and ask for a free consultation. Um, The phone number is 724-989-9290. And what we're going to do is I pledge to you to give you the information you need to make a good estate planning decision. I'm not just going to talk to you about the easy estate planning decision. The easy estate planning decision being a simple will for everybody. There's a lot of law firms that run that model, and they're just one after the other, and we're just changing the names on the document and go, 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 go. That's that's not how we do this, all right? You're going to sit down. You're going to spend some real time with our team, with our attorneys, and get real quality education about your options. Then you and your spouse, if you're married, you can make a well-informed decision on how you want to handle probably the biggest d- decision you're ever going to make in your life. All right? So don't fall into the trap that all I need is a simple will. I'm a simple guy. I was a school teacher. I worked at the mill. I did this. I'm not a complicated person. I don't I don't fly on private jets. I don't need some fancy schmance trust. Well, yeah, maybe you do. You just are not thinking about it the way you you're thinking about it the way that TV has taught you to think about this stuff rather than really thinking about it the way that might be the best thing you could do for your family. So again, secklerlawfirm.com S E C H L E R lawfirm.com you can give us a call at 724-989-9290 again 724-989-9290 uh, if you want to check out this episode or any of our other episodes that we've done in the past you can find those anytime at uh, well they're on the website at secularlawfirm.com or if you happen to um, be a uh, be a podcast listener you can find it at apple uh, podcast you can find it at spotify um and i think we've done north of 70 of these uh episodes at this point uh, a lot of them are, are, are pretty useful in my humble opinion you ought to check them out okay so uh to give you a recap of of what we were chatting about today all right i meet anywhere well my law firm meets dozens of families a month and most of them, over 10 years of doing this, I can see, have pretty common concerns. Right? Um, we want to maintain control. We want to be smart about taxes. At the end of the day, we want our kids to get the money rather than the nursing home or the tax man or the lawyers or the probate fees or the whatever. We just want it to get to our kids. We want it to be easy. And I get it. And I get it. And And so knowing that those are typically the goals and knowing also that Nursing homes can cost $180,000 a year plus in this state. Um, It seems to me like this is the biggest threat going for middle-class Americans. My personal belief is if you're concerned about this stuff and you would like to do some planning to avoid uh, the negative consequences of this stupid system, you should consider the use of an irrevocable Asset Protection Trust, quick features and benefits. You can maintain control of your assets. You can maintain the the decision-making with regard to the investments around your assets. You can sleep in your home every night for the rest of your life. You can, um, but the one thing you can't do is whatever we put into the trust, which would not be all of your money. You still have your Social Security check. You still have your retirement accounts. You still have some other money. But we're going to put in the house and, and maybe some money, depending on your situation. With those assets that we put in the trust, you can never own them again. 
you cannot write yourself a check. Now, in most families, if you have kids, your kids would be the beneficiaries of that trust. If you don't have kids, it might be a niece or a nephew. If you don't have any family, if it's all going to charity, this might not be the right tool. But you're going to have somebody on there that you know, like, and trust that um, you could write a check to later should the family need to access money from the trust. And so while the money is sitting in the trust, before the family needs to access money from the trust, it is sitting there protected and under your control, but protected from things like your long-term care expenses, your kids' divorces, um, your kids or your lawsuits, um, and all of the different things that could come after you and come after your life savings. And it results in a tax-favorable way for you to maintain control and for you to protect your assets from the nursing home, which seems to me to be the thing that everybody wants to do. If you want to find out more about it, um, you should come to one of our workshops, secklerlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R, lawfirm.com. We, uh, we host these workshops right in our office in Cranberry. I'm going to teach you all of the different things that you need to know about these tools. Um, then we offer you a free consultation where you can sit down with one of our team, one of our lawyers, um, and, and discuss whether it's a good fit for you. If it is great, we tell you what it costs. We're 100% flat fee law firm on the estate planning side. Uh, and then you'll have all the information you need to make a good decision, which is at the end of the day is our goal. We just want our clients to make well-informed decisions in their own best interest. Whatever that decision is, we're good to go. I hope this episode has been useful for you. Don't make any legal decisions based on what you heard on this or any other radio show. If you need legal advice, we're available anytime at secklerlawfirm.com. Have a great day. This has been the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great plans. SecklerLawFirm.com or call 724-841-1393.